brewery. Pretzels. Writing love fest. Ooh, ooh, witchy woman. She got the moon in her eyes. Ooh, ooh, witchy woman. Drink a brew and you die. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Sitting on the bench. Writing's really hard. We need another snack. And that is just a fact. Oh, oh. Hi, this is Shauna. This is Trisha. And this is Two Girls on a Bench. The podcast. We're finishing up for Halloween. Hashtag all the horror. All the horror. So we're bringing you some cool stuff this episode. But first, what do we do on the bench? We write on the bench. We snack on the bench. And most of all, we procrastinate procrastinate on the the bench. bench. So we might procrastinate a little bit here, but we have some cool people to highlight this week. That's right, because we have Bench Rate Club members who have submitted scary tales for hashtag all the horror. We have some friends. And they are such good writers. We have friends. You guys. Besides each other. You guys are such good writers. They really are. So I'm going to start with a quote to inspire us. Yes. For our Halloween episode by the master, William Shakespeare. Oh, that master. Right? I mean, there's only one. There yes. can only be one. That's what I was okay. going to say. Totally. Ready? Yep. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Don't yes. say what it's from, Trisha. The Scottish play. The Scottish play. Thank you. I played one of the witches in that play. I get really, really Best superstitious about saying the name I of that play. Played. If you don't know what it is, look up the Scottish play. I won't <laughs> say the name because everywhere to me is a theater and I get terrified. It is kind of a theater in here. It kind of is, it's right? our theater of writing, our theater of podcasting. Yeah, we're creating yeah, like little shows who knows what's good and bad luck at this point we're just starting out here right i mean but like i just am very superstitious it's all good so all good we're gonna go um well maybe should we do a snack book first sure and then we're gonna get into some seriously cool stuff with our friends seriously you guys seriously you have no idea seriously all right give me that snack book Stop being funny. I'm jogging over here. Trisha just told me to stop being funny, and she moved my microphone, which is <laughs> deadly. Do not move my microphone. I'm sorry. If I touch the Trader Joe's Do not bag. touch my bag. Trader Joe's bag. <laughs> I move the microphone that's held up by the bag. We have an array. Which is why you should donate on Patreon. Ooh, do it, guys. So we cannot have a bag holding up a microphone. And, and that's what we have. And you're going to get some fun stuff on Patreon. You get some sh- cool swag. 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 You get some like bonus like stuff of us just talking smack, which yeah. we did like coming soon. Mm, there's a lot of it. Like super secret smack. <laughs> super, <laughs> super secret smack. So today's snack book. Super saucy secret Is snack. brought to you by white rice with soy sauce on it. <laughs> 
So I get to Trisha's house, and she's like a huge pot of rice, and I'm like, I love just a big bowl of rice with soy my sauce on it. My daughter's tummy's not feeling well, so I made her a bunch of white rice. And my tummy never feels well, so, so there you go. I made you a bunch of white rice. <laughs> so I ate all the leftovers, and it was delicious. And with then soy sauce. <laughs> and then Trisha had... Wait, should we talk about our soy sauce problem? Go ahead. Okay. So when Trisha and I lived together, we discovered that we like different brands of soy sauce. It almost was a deal breaker. We almost weren't friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like Kinkaman. And I like Lechoy. And we had to like do taste tests no. and shit. And then we just both had to keep our to own figure it out. bottle of soy sauce. Had to have... And soy sauce is not cheap. Especially I mean, when you're like a poor college student, it's like... Eight ninety nine, but when you have like the integrity of your soy sauce, yeah, you, you get can't your, you compromise. Get your own. You can't change. I know that Kikoman is like <laughs> what everybody likes. It's what you get at a restaurant. Is everywhere, but for some reason, I grow up eating Lechoy, and it's a different flavor, and I love it. I love Lechoy. Lechoy, you can sponsor stuff? us at any time. Also, Kikoman, oh, yeah. I w- might convert if you could sponsor any us as well. Soy sauce that wants to sponsor us. <laughs> Come on down. I or crispy noodle. Oh, yeah. And I used to eat the crispy noodles on it, too. I mean, my mom used to eat it all the time, like, just, like, a bowl of rice with soy sauce and, like, some crispy noodles. Like, that was the best. Oh, so good. Sean's like, oh, your daughter likes white rice. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, with soy sauce? And I'm like, nope, just white rice. <laughs> she just, like, shovels it She's in. just, like, white rice, and she, like, loves it. Like buckets of it. I mean, she's a carb girl though. Doesn't she just eat like a piece of bread? She had two of those pretzels tonight. Just like tons of bread. So more snack book. Trisha had a big soft pretzel that I envied. They were, they're selling at Trader Joe's in the freezer section. They have these soft pretzels, four of them in a bag. And they come with a little salt mm, packet. So and you can like good. bake them in the oven for like five minutes. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, know about that because I can't have fucked it. Fucked up your mic again, sorry. And um, they taste like, you know, kind of like a mall pretzel, maybe like two hours old. Oh. <laughs> You're <laughs> like really a, selling it like there. A, like a mall pretzel you throw in your purse for <laughs> hey, later. Trader Joe's. <laughs> maybe up your mall pretzel game two hours late. There's nothing like the mall pretzel where they, I think they like rub butter on no, them. No, they're like they so the fresh. So oh, maybe if we melted God. butter and spread it on them instead of water. To put the salt on, that would be like better. But like, I mean, but they're they taste, also like at the mall, they're like they're freshly chewy. made. No, yeah. they're like they like make them yes. right there. Yes. That would be so the main difference. The frozen ones are chewy, like the mall pretzels. Delicious. They're not as. Savory, I had one bite, but I ate one bite. Mustard, and I looked at Trisha's pretzel, and I was like, oh. she was so jealous, and I felt bad. So then I pulled out my gluten free pretzels. Rice? Oh, your pretzels. No, my gluten free rice is also gluten free. <laughs> And I had that and popcorn with her leftover like mustard. mustard. <laughs> and then we also had popcorn. Okay, there's a lot of snacks going on. It's been a long night. It's a convoluted snack it's area. It's been a long week, long life, whatever. <laughs> we had a lot of snacks. We've also had a lot of wine, if you can't tell what? by now. Listen to the Patreon only episode by paying us. Wait, <laughs> cut that out. That was shitty. That was bitchy. By paying us. What? Does anyone want to pay us to do this? Donating. What? Donating is yeah. supporting. If you'd like to support us, much writing a review on iTunes. Yeah, that's good too. Subscribing hey. is good. Do and it. also maybe Patreon. Or a Kofi coffee. 
whatever you want to fucking call it. <laughs> There's a lot of controversy. Some kind of snack where you like only pay three dollars. It's awesome. Anything you do, we will it love help, it. Helps us. We will support it. And we, you will support us. We really want to get equipment that we can travel with. So oh, yeah. More interviews and like more like on the road traveling. Yeah. We're going to be going to Seattle in what? Um, January for PodCon. And we're trying to like PodCon. afford the tickets and shit and uh, help us, you know, help Just- us help you so we can be there to <laughs> say hi to you. <laughs> And then you can buy us a drink when you meet us. And you yeah. help us even more. Or just like in advance. Or just say hi. Or just whatever. Or just help buy the plane tickets. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, it's so, getting really weird right okay, now. Goodbye. I'm doing that weird talking thing. Okay, so we're going to close is over. the snack book. Yes. The snack book is closed like boom. What's happening now? Now we're moving on to other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bench Right Club. The first rule of Right Club is you do not write about Right Club. The second rule of Right Club is you do not write about Right Club. Right Club. We are going to join our many badass friends that are going to help us with an amazing writing challenge today for all the horror and Halloween and the season of spookiness. Bench Red Club. And we are going to first feature our dear friend from the Cabinet Podcast. Tim Gibson. Who is such an amazing writer. Tim. Oh, my God. Tim, we can't quit you. You're just bringing it. And he invited us to join his podcast for an episode called Polybius, which was so fun. And we had such a good time working on it and writing it. And he's so good at like weaving stories together. And the story that he is built for our yeah, show that he brought for the show is amazing. We we can't even like We're talk speechless. about it. I can't talk about that. At the cabinet podcast. All right, here he goes. Amethyst watched from behind the bar as the beer fizzed. It wasn't that foaming up from a freshly popped cap. No. Amethyst saw this quote-unquote gentleman drop something in the young girl's drink. This caused her blood to boil. Her pub was supposed to be a sanctuary. A place where men and women alike could be safe from these types of terrors of nightlife. That was one of the reasons why Amethyst, along with her sisters, Abby and Amelia, decided to go into business. Not only was their product unique, but it had a social message along with it. The beer warmed its drinker inside, but had a sweet snap that crackled like a long fall walk through a leaf-covered trail. The sisters saw a lot of business in October at the height of fall for this very reason. Just as important to the flavor was the commitment the beer had to strong women. Proceeds from the Accents and Spirits Brew Pub were donated to local causes, like the Area Domestic Violence Shelter. They even named their brews after prominent women. Eleanor, 
was a beer named for Eleanor Roosevelt. It was served in a tall boy can and had a bite to it in honor of the feisty first lady's unyielding spirit. There was also the Rosa, a coffee stout, in honor of the woman who did more to wake up the world to civil rights by sitting down instead of standing up. But the one they loved the most was the Avery. The Avery was named in honor of the sister's fourth sibling who died fighting for their way of life. That bottle was only cracked open on occasions, occasions that celebrated women like her. Amethyst saw such a time coming within moments. She pulled back a strand of her long jet black hair. She nodded to Abby and Amelia with a glint in her emerald eyes. Abby made her way to the bar with her long dress flowing behind her like a ship cutting the waves of the New England sea. She came back behind the gentleman with his sinister intentions and his young female target, then grabbed their beers. Hey, that's our drinks, the slick man protested as he watched Abby float effervescently behind the bar. She poured the beers in the sink. Oh, honey, these are the wrong beers for a romancing affair lass. Her blue eyes were like pools that had collected after a refreshing Massachusetts rain. He was entranced as Abby tossed the empties into a nearby trash can with a finesse. She then leaned into the man with the thickly gelled hair and whispered to him, That is, if somebody else is not already romancing her. Abby said slyly as she watched the girl leave with Amelia. Amelia then turned back to the man, her chestnut hair whipping around, so she could give her own sly wink with one of her baby blues. Well, maybe she's not what I'm looking for tonight, he said trying to be flirtatious. Abby giggled as she ran her fingers through her short blonde bob. Maybe I have what you need, Abby said as she presented him with the light amber-colored beer. It was the Avery. She then took one for herself. Here's to getting what we deserve, Abby said as she took a swig of the Avery. Cheers, my fair lass, he said with a corny cockney accent. While chugging the beer down his gullet, his throat tightened. Air, air was fleeting for him. The remainder of the Avery pulled on the floor after the bottle came crashing to the floor with all its glass weight. A red crimson formed in the center and flowed out, overtaking the collar of the beer. The man then reached for his mouth, realizing the same red was flowing from his mouth. The iron taste. It was blood. Darkness overtook him as he fell into the open waiting arms of Amethyst and Abbey. The next thing he saw was a dreary stone room. The girl he had attempted to slip a roofie was standing in the corner, arms crossed. He could also make out the dark brown of Amelia's wavy hair. She had her back turned to him grinding something with a stone pestle and a granite, ancient-looking bowl. Amelia and Abby descended the stone stairs. 
Abby still had that floating enchantress aura about her, but Amethyst had a more forceful personality. He glimpsed the rip of her jeans as she kicked the heavy wooden door shut behind her. You think we make progress, Amethyst announced loudly. You would think. She watched as the lady's prisoner struggled under the tight grip of his iron shackles. My sisters and I have struggled for centuries under your boots, Amethyst echoed with her strong alto-laced voice. We even had to leave Salem after they burned poor Avery. Avery was beautiful, you know. Barely 16. She had crafted an ice sculpture with a spell. A spell she had just learned was for her little boyfriend. But her beloved was the governor's son. He was a spy, told daddy, and that's why they burned her. Burned her at the stake. Amelia passed the grounds in her granite bowl to Abby. Abby scooped up some in her dainty hand and blew the dust into her target's face. He sneezed and then let out a thick cough as the cloud enveloped his face. Men try to take advantage of us. They see us as pathetic creatures. They did to Avery. And now you're doing it. To this little darling, Amethyst said as she walked behind the girl in the corner and placed her hands on her shoulders. Sweetie, what does that make him? The young lady was about to open her mouth, but Amethyst gave a subtle shh. Just think it, my dear. Keeps the element of surprise. The man watched as his hands twisted and contorted into cloven hooves. His nose grew to a large snout. His clothes tore and flew off of him as his sculpted abs filled into a large barrel of lard, fat, and hair. The classics. They never get old. Amethyst <laughs> chuckled. Abby then ran her sharp fingernail across the hog's back as it bled. She collected a sample of the blood that flowed from the scratch. Maybe a bacon brew is next on the menu. She laughed as she licked the pig's blood off the tip of her finger. Got some hints of smokiness. Amelia had a large black hood to place over this pathetic lost creature's head. One last thing for you to see before you go to the slaughterhouse. Amelia said as she placed a blue illuminating crystal on the floor. The stone radiated with a wispy image of a 16-year-old girl. Her hair was loosely flowing in the wind, but her attire was what one would recognize from the elementary school textbooks as pilgrim attire. The ghost girl reached out and gave the pig a scratch behind the ears. Her touch was cold, and he shivered knowing the truth of who this girl was. But more so who, know what, her sisters were. For Avery, the sister said as Amelia threw the black hood over the pig's head, fitting that Avery was the last thing he saw before he arrived at his new home on some New England farmland, wallowing in mud 
in his own waist as the pig he was. Witches, man. Shit, dude, that was so good. I mean, like, we fashion ourselves to be a modern witch. Absolutely. Or an old-fashioned witch. We have a medium that has told us we were Salem witches. We're not really surprised by that. You know, at certain points in our past, we were married. We've been friends for many, 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 many eons. Apparently, we were, like, enemies of renowned psychics. We yeah. were like enemies, enemies, yeah, in Alaska, yes, and then we were like maybe spouses, maybe, and then we were also witches, and Duh. now we're best friends, and so it just keeps going. So you know, maybe in the next life we'll be aliens. If we were witches in a life, I would say we would totally own a brewery. I love this story so much, and I mean, I have some Fucking like the man. retribution with like men and witches is like hardcore. It's hardcore, I mean, but it's, it's also timely. It's timely. We won't say why because you can draw those conclusions yourself, people. Hello, jumping to conclusions. <laughs> Tim, you did it. God, like ten times while we yeah. were listening to this, we were like, God damn it! Oh, yeah. such a good description. Our next story. Is from our dear friend, Kayla Trapeze. Yes. And you've heard her before on like, we've like had Every some of ben her. Every Club. Yeah, we've had some of her stories uh, featured. And this story is amazing. It's so good. She read it especially for us to do a little bit of a audio drama. So you'll hear. Twist. Yeah, you'll hear our voices reading her story. Go. As she opened the door, Caroline first noticed the strong smell of incense and old paper mixed together. But surprisingly, the purple phoenix metaphysical bookstore was brightly lit and looked respectably clean. Even the man behind the counter didn't fit her expectations. He was middle-aged, wearing a white long-sleeve button-down shirt and neatly cut hair. He looked nothing like the gothic vampire-loving image she had expected. The man looked up from the book he was reading as she closed the door behind her. Can I help you? There was no menace in his voice, no sign of demon worshipping or soul stealing behind his friendly sales kirk demeanor. Um, no, Caroline trailed, suddenly feeling uncomfortable. She felt that way any time she was the center of attention. She tried to relax and looked around, seeing the store's layout. Most of it was aisles of books. There were also some displays of bumper stickers and glass cases showing off magic stones and little statues of fairies, dragons, and sexy witches. In the back corner was an empty table with two empty chairs, a sign sitting on it announcing tarot readings every Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Caroline turned back to the man. No, thank you. I've never been in here before, and I thought I'd look around, if that's all right. Sure thing. He smiled. Let me know if you have any questions. He picked his book up again, and Caroline could see various mystical cards and knickknacks in the display counter beneath. Caroline turned, randomly choosing an aisle to walk down. She mentally chastised herself. 
She came in here because she feels alone and empty and wants to find more for her life. She had a perfect chance to start a conversation with the store guy and blew it. Blurting something out now would just be weird. Although weird was subjective in a metaphysical bookstore. Caroline moved down the rows of books, her fingers lightly brushing along the titles. Some were on spellcasting, others on astral projection. There was even a section on psychology. She came to the aisle's end and looked at a display of various crystals under another glass case. There were labels beneath with words she didn't recognize like Reiki and others she did like precognition. Fortune-telling crystals, she smiled to herself. Silly. She looked around more. She noticed one crystal, a small white shard sitting on the shelf above the case, unmarked, unguarded, unassuming. Slowly, Caroline started to reach out to pick it up. Her hand nearly touched it when... Hi there. Caroline pulled her hand back quickly and spun around toward the voice. Standing in front of her was a woman with long, dark hair spilling down over a billowy green top. She looked normal enough, but she was holding a large stack of books. Maybe she's restocking the shelves. Did one book cover actually say something about living zombies? Oh, uh, hi, Caroline said, trying not to be weird about making and avoiding eye contact. The woman had the deepest brown eyes, so warm and welcoming. I, um, uh, like your store. The woman laughed at this. Oh, oh no, I don't work here. I just come in here a lot. I kind of a regular. But this is your first time? Uh, yeah, Caroline said, hating all her uhs. Still very nervous. Why was it so hard for her to talk to people? Let me guess, the woman continued. Life's not bad, but it feels a little empty. Like you don't have as many friends as you think you should. So you try going into places hoping to change that. Or maybe that you want to find a group. Something you can belong to and feel a little more meaning or purpose in yourself. Caroline's mouth opened and closed again, blushing a little. She was being read like an open book. Her fingers twitched, needing something to fidget with. She reached out again to the small white crystal shard by the display. She picked it up. Yeah, she said, finally. Something like that. Caroline looked down at the crystal as she moved it around in her hands. Funny, it now looked like it had an orange tint to it. Maybe because it was in her hand and the lighting changed when she moved it? The woman's smile grew even brighter. Well, I completely understand. I was a little nervous the first time I came in here too. Maybe I can help. My name's Mira, she said, extending a hand. Caroline glanced down as she moved the crystal to her left hand. It looked more red than orange now and it was glowing a little. She looked back up to the woman and those warm caramel colored eyes. Caroline wanted so much to make a new friend. She reached out with her right hand to shake Mira's and immediately felt a sharp jolt as her whole body was violently knocked sideways. Her knees buckled and everything went dark. She felt like she was riding a tilt-a-whirl during a blackout. Stunned, Caroline tried to regain her composure. 
Had she fainted? She ached as though she had been tackled. She tried to look around, but it was still pitch black. She wanted to speak, but her mouth felt weird, like it was lined with cotton, and her throat felt like she had drank something with a lot of grit, something that hadn't been completely dissolved in a mix. She wanted to reach up, to feel around her face, but couldn't move her arm. She couldn't move her body at all. As if on cue, the darkness changed to bright light, and Caroline winced. Forcing her eyes to adjust, she squinted and looked around. This was not the bookstore. She was in a bathroom. Powder blue tiles covered the floors and walls. A single white commode sat off to the left. There was a closed door to the right, and a small white sink and mirror were facing her on the opposite wall. An uncovered light bulb blazed from the center of the ceiling. Caroline kept looking around for clues of where she was and how she got here. Except for herself, the room was completely empty save for a small bowl and funnel sitting on the sink. Then she saw her reflection in the mirror above it. Oh, God. She was tied down to a wheelchair and her mouth stuffed and gagged. Caroline started to hyperventilate as the door opened. The woman with brown eyes, Mira, came in. She had that same warm smile on her face, only now, for Caroline, it didn't seem warm. It felt sinister, like a crocodile with tears as it eats its prey. Hello again, Mira said. Caroline tried to yell, but was muffled by the gag and barely made a noise. Do you remember me? Caroline did the best she could to cry out and struggled against her bindings. She felt like she had no strength. The chair barely moved at all under her force. She felt lightheaded. Don't tire yourself out. Remember when we talked about finding you a purpose? You have a big night ahead of you, one that will very much give your life meaning. But I see you're still a little worked up. I'll be back to check on you soon. Mira turned back toward the door as Caroline grunted another noise after her before blacking out again. When she came to this time, something was different. She was still in the same room, sitting in the same chair. Mira was here again too, concentration on her face. She was working diligently with Caroline's right arm holding what looked like a cake decorating tool, and it smelled bad, like tea tree oil. She was drawing on Caroline's arm, her untied arm. Caroline started to speak, but her mouth still felt full with the restrictive gag. She tried to pull her arm away from Mira. It barely responded, as if she had slept on it till it went numb. Shh, Mira quieted gently tugging at Caroline's wrist. You don't want to smear it. She smiled a little and went back to work. Caroline couldn't fight Mira's hold. She instead tried turning her head to look forward. It took her a great deal of effort. Her eyes fell on the mirror and she was immediately horrified. She fought the tears welling up in her eyes and sniffed, watching the haggard woman in the mirror shudder at the same time. Her hair, 
Her gorgeously styled short red hair with the fashionably black roots. It was all gone. All gone. Again, Caroline wanted to scream. In the reflection, her mouth hung open. The gag was no longer on her, though the insides of her mouth still felt very dry and cottony. She could only watch her tongue loll around like a slug as she made a weak, half-grunt, half-moaning sound. Caroline felt the darkness coming again as her mind got even fuzzier. Mira bounced her arm back to the chair. It won't be much longer, she said as Caroline passed out once more. Slowly, Caroline struggled to wake up. The bathroom felt very small to her now, the powder blue tiles seemingly closing in where her wheelchair was now pushed right up to the wall. A sterile, antiseptic smell crept into her nose from it with the acrid strength of a freshly cleaned psych ward. The sound of drums and pan flutes invaded the quiet room from beyond the door. She was sure she didn't recognize it, but the melody still felt familiar like a Celtic festival turned dark and twisted. All she could see was the wall. She couldn't move her head, couldn't even move her eyes. Caroline felt her initial panic return, but even her breathing remained slow and steady. The bathroom door, now to the left, opened in her peripheral vision, and a whip of black fabric moved through it and behind her. Whoever it was had taken hold of her chair. Was it Mira? Her chair moved, pulling away from the wall and backwards to the right. The mirror was in front of her now. She saw herself completely covered in strange symbols, runes made with henna all the way up her face and shaved head. Caroline was also now completely untied but unable to move at all. In the reflection, she could see only the black robes of the person behind her and not the face. Her chair moved forward now, turning again as she was pushed through the open door, leaving the bathroom that had been her prison. They moved through a dimly lit hallway before entering a large, open courtyard. All along the circular walls, people in similar black robes and monstrous devil masks danced around a bonfire blazing in the center, its flames reaching to the open sky above. The dancers wove in and out between the firelight and the shadows. Or perhaps it was the shadows dancing around the people. The masks they wore were frightening enough, but to Caroline it seemed there were even more strange and inhuman faces coming out of the background with the firelight's reach. Even the burning wood and coals at the fire's base seemed to twist and contort into the faces of laughing and taunting demons waiting to torture her. Her wheelchair stopped in front of the fire and her escort came around front. She bent down. It was Mira. She had a very serious expression and wore an intricate tribal headdress that looked to Caroline as though it were made of small ebony bones. Mira whispered, all sense of kindness gone from her voice. Stand up. Without willing it, Caroline felt her arms raise and then push down on the wheelchair as she rose to her feet. She had wanted so badly to meet new people and to find a place where she belonged, but not like this. Not like this. 
Caroline wanted desperately to scream, to turn around, to run away, but her body would no longer listen to her. The music had stopped and the dancers started chanting. Caroline couldn't make out what it was. She wasn't even sure if it was in English. Mira, still at her side, stepped back and commanded loudly to her, walk forward and do not stop. Caroline's left foot shuffled a little. Her head lifted and her toes slid forward as her left leg pushed. Her body weight shifted awkwardly and her right leg and foot followed along. No, no, Caroline was headed straight for the bonfire. She had to stop. She tried, but couldn't command her legs to stay still. Terrified, the heat became unbearable as she watched the flames grow closer and closer. No! Caroline screamed as she fell backwards, letting go of Mira's hand and landing on the carpeted floor of the bookstore. The crystal that had been clutched in her left hand now rolled away, its red color changing back to white. Are you all right? Mira asked, re-offering a hand to help her up. Caroline shrunk back quickly, opting instead to turn on the floor for leverage and push herself to her feet. She had a sudden feeling of deja vu of pushing herself out of the wheelchair and shuddered. Um, thanks, Caroline said, glancing around nervously but trying to appear composed. The salesman was still behind his counter watching. He seemed satisfied enough that she was okay and didn't move to come closer. Um, I should get going. It was uh, nice, nice to meet you. And without waiting for an answer, Caroline turned and made a beeline for the exit outside the store. Caroline took a minute to catch her breath outside, rethinking how she would socialize more. I should have just joined a Zumba class, she thought to herself. That seems a whole lot safer. So I'm not going to any more bookstores anymore. It's the scariest thing about that story is that as soon as we started reading it, we were like, we've been in that store a thousand times. I know where that store is. I can like take you to that store. I think it's still there. I went in that store like a thousand times. In this town. Yeah. And I've been in a bunch of them. So have you. Like, and that might have happened to me anywhere. Me too. Scary as shit. So... Freaky. Good job, Kayla. Wow. We yeah. love that story. And I, it's like in my head now a little bit too, I the think. The whole like. <sighs> like it's just like, it's like almost like a memory that I didn't have. Like being annoyed at how many us you say. I think that a lot when I'm talking on the <laughs> phone now. I'm like. Great detail. Oh my gosh. I just said like, like 50 times. Yeah, we or, say like uh, a lot. Or um. And I'm hyper aware of my ums and my uhs. And to read that as a character is, it's just so true. It's a really good insight. And just like trying to like reach out and like meet some people and be friends. And then you're like, never mind. She feels like when she's going to, she's like, the bookstore guy is like, whatever, like, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, I can't talk to him now because it's super weird because I already said I'm good. (laughs) 
I do that all the time where I'm like, oh, I actually had a question, but like now second I already guessing. said, yeah, like I'm fine. I can't go back because that'll be super weird if I'm like, by the way, how are you doing? <laughs> like, no. So I want to know about everything supernatural <laughs> and like these stones no, no, and no. like how and I can then, make my life better I'm and sorry. also make friends and like also this. What about the sexy witches? Under the glass, like in the case or whatever. It's like stones and this and oh, yeah. this and sexy witches. Like, yeah. why are there sexy witches everywhere? Like, because that's like a thing, right? Like, it's kind of like sexy mermaids, right? Yeah, yeah. And you go into a place like that and you're like, oh, it's all like cool. And then you're like, sexy witches, sexy mermaids. There they are. Let like, me just tell you that once when my daughter was really young, we were looking at pictures and she was like into mermaids, as many little girls are. Mm-hmm. And she was like, are mermaids real? And then we look up mermaids online. It's like sexy mermaids. Kind of like the sexy witch uh. thing. It's like sexy mermaid, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, mermaids aren't real. And then somehow we got on aliens and she was like, are aliens real? And I was like, we just don't know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I can draw the line at some things. I was aliens like, is definitely listen, a line I can draw. Sexy mermaids, no. Aliens, yes. There you sexy go. witches. I mean, you can be a witch and be sexy. I'm not like I'm no, not like slut shaming a sexy witch. That there were all the statues of those, like because you've seen that, you know, you've seen it. It's such a visual, visceral thing, like yeah. you've seen in a shop. Because I think when you're a woman that is. Like us in some way, you look into the store and you're like looking for like relatable a, material. Yes, you're looking for like a witch Down that's like earth. an earthy witch or yeah. like a very like natural right, witches in Tim's story. Yeah, like, I mean you're looking for a brewery yeah. witch. You're looking for witch, not a rich brewery witch. That's a hard thing to say. Really hard. It's like it's the like rural girl. <laughs> really hard to you're say. looking for a brewery rich okay brewery witch oh it's so hard to say that's like a tongue twister jesus all right now we are going into our dear friend jv who was so kind to say the nicest things about us yes in a, a nice article yes. and wrote a really cool freaking story so check it out vanished in the middle of town. There is a true story from my hometown in Homestead, Florida. The names have been changed, not to protect the innocent, but because I simply didn't know the people involved personally. They were friends of my mother and she has already left this world, so I cannot know for certain who they were. I only know they were friends of the family. there was a man named Ramon who liked to frequent certain bars in town. Now, today, Homestead is a much bigger city than it was in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Some things have moved around, like City Hall, but the bars in certain neighborhoods remain relatively unchanged to this day. Anyway, Ramon liked to go to bars a lot. One night, he left one of his favorite bars in an area of town known as Leisure City. That's really what the place is called. And it was here that Ramon was said to have taken his final drink, danced his final dance, 
and flirt it for the last time before he disappeared into oblivion. Ramon's mother was a friend of my mother. She began asking around about Ramon's whereabouts. My brothers were known to frequent the bar scene in Homestead, so it made sense she would inquire with my family. But my mother, as concerned as she was for this poor woman, could not offer any hope as to where her son might have gone. The police put together a timeline. Ramon was at the bar in Leisure City from around 11 p.m. late one night in October and left the bar sometime after 1 a.m. Someone witnessed him staggering out of the bar and climbing into his van. Then he drove off, but no one ever saw him again. There was no sign of his van anywhere. He never called anyone or returned to work or even sent a postcard. Ramon simply vanished into thin air. A few months went by. Ramon's mother came back to see my mother and told her that there were rumors Ramon ran off with a woman to Mexico. Someone said they spotted him in Mexico and was with a mysterious woman. Another rumor said Ramon owed money to drug dealers and decided to skip town to avoid paying his debt. But his mother cried and said Ramon was a good boy and he was not known to do drugs. He liked to drink, but he was not known to be a user. Even my brother said he wasn't that kind of guy. So Ramon's mother was completely dumbfounded as to why he would run off with anyone and never even called to say he was all right. Well, years went by. Every now and then, Ramon's mother would run into my mother at the store or the flea market, and she always asked if my mother had heard anything about Ramon. But, of course, nobody ever did. But she refused to give up and continued to search for her son, even taking trips to Mexico to follow up on some leads. She always returned without finding him, though. As time went on, Ramon's mother grew old and eventually became terminally ill. She told my mother her dying wish was to find her missing son. Twenty years had gone by, and she never even got a letter or any clue as to what happened to Ramon after he left the bar that fateful night in October. in her final moments on this earth for closure. But unfortunately, she passed away without ever learning the fate of her beloved son, Ramon. In the main center of the city was City Hall, but they've since relocated it to another part of town. But back in Ramon's day, City Hall was facing the main highway, US-1. There used to be a large pond with a fountain at its center in front of City Hall, and this is where the story took a bizarre turn. 
Years after Ramon's mother died, some lawn workers were cutting the grass around the pond at City Hall. They noticed some tire tracks around the edges and called the police thinking some kids on ATVs were vandalizing the grounds. But when the cops showed up, one of them noticed something in the murky water. They called in a diving crew, and later that day, the divers made a discovery. A vehicle was at the bottom of the pond. A crane was brought in and lifted the vehicle from the water. It was a van, Ramon's van. So much time had gone by, and literally millions of people drove past this pond for many years, never even knowing that at the bottom of the pond at City Hall was a van with a man's body in it. The police were finally able to complete the timeline from that night Ramon left the bar in Leisure City. They concluded that at the four-way light at US-1 in Campbell Drive, Ramon fell asleep at the wheel and simply drove into the pond. Since it was after 1 a.m., and probably no one was out at that particular time, it's plausible no one witnessed it. And since this happened in the 1980s, there were no street cameras to check. The saddest part about this story is Ramon's mother made several visits to City Hall to petition searches for her son. She must have driven past that pond a million times herself and never ever knew Ramon was right there, just feet away, the whole time. The story you heard is true to the best of my knowledge. I did search for news articles about it, but at the time of this recording, I was still unable to find anything on the internet about it. I'm J.V. Torres. I write and produce an audio drama called The Rise of King Asylus. Please give it a listen on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and happy Halloween. Kingdom Radio Theater. So that was from our friend J.V. Torres, Rise of King Asylus, which is an amazing audio drama just starting season two, I believe on uh, like today. Oh, really? <laughs> on Halloween? October 30th oh, no. or the 31st. 30th. Yeah, we're the just 30th. Kidding. But um, All Hallows Eve, out. Eve. You got time <laughs> to go listen to season one and catch up in time for season two, which is awesome a post-apocalyptic world with a king and a monarchy taking over the united states basically so oh, good well, super good and, and you heard jv personally on that story he he plays king asylus and he is 
amazing, not only as a voice actor, but also as a writer. Hello. Yeah, great stuff. That story is so good, and I love that it's a story his mom shared with them yeah. and I just I love that sort of like folklore because that's that's such a thing to be like someone told me this story and that's so much scarier than like a story you make up actually because yeah. you're like we, I think those are the ones we all sit around and tell each other where we're like they're actually maybe real yeah. truth to the story exactly there's yeah. a family story and this happened and this is what I heard and then the, everybody said this happened in the town and then you're yeah. like oh my god like that was a real thing no and maybe that guy went to the brewery and turned into a pig and never came back I look mean, Ramon he was kind of a sketchy character we don't know I mean I'm not sure what happened <laughs> with him he wasn't going to dance. Could have been trying to roof a girl. And then Amethyst was like, nope. He was going back to the other story and right? then maybe going to a New Age bookstore and then ended up in a fountain <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, we don't know what happened to Ramon. Not sure. Nobody knows. But thank you. Thank you, everybody. Everybody for contributing to this, all the horror episode Bench Right Club, because it's been incredible to hear the stories and then also to perform Kayla's story and um, dip our toes into this audio drama world, which we love. We're so in love with We're it. We're very obsessed. A little bit obsessed. We're kind of into it. I mean, no, it's, it's like, good. it's a natural progression yeah. for what no, we like it, to do. I and really feel like we have a lot of potential stories to tell in this way. Maybe with some better actors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're great. Yeah, we're amazing. I mean, but also <laughs> not really. So, but like, but you know, thank you to our friends, Kayla, JV, Tim. I mean, you guys, these stories are it. so good. Yeah. And this is what we kind of love actually the most about podcasting, aside from just chatting and hanging out. No, it's the people. We've met so it's many great the people. Family. I mean, like, you guys are all our friends. Strangely, even though we've never met any yeah. of you, and we feel like that about all of our listeners, and this is just the best community. Well, and the hashtag all the horror folks that all contributed this month, I mean, we're almost to the end, where we release an episode every single day of October with a different theme altogether for lot of one stuff. purpose. And yeah, it was so much collaboration, so much work. Fuck, I would do it again in a second. It was so fun. We yeah. watched a bunch of movies and reviewed them. Bunch and then people movies. came on our show and did books and stories. So many and guest spots. We're every, I feel like we're everywhere right now. Like we're on so many different shows and so many people on our shows. And it's a lot of fun. It's such a great collaboration. And um, just, just a testament of what, I mean, this is a group of strangers who met on like a DM group and Twitter who decided to do something, actually executed it and follow through. And look at that. Like, what a creative endeavor. It know? is. It just shows you all, all of you out there that maybe aren't doing that, that we're all here. We're waiting for you. We're trying. Join in. Write with us. Write club with us. or Subscribe. Give us reviews. Join our Patreon. Join if our you'd Patreon, like to. and we're gonna have some fun little like side tidbits for little you on special that. episodes. There, fun where stuff. secret stories from the bench that nobody else can hear. Oh my god, we're gonna have to edit those <laughs> and bleep out a lot of things. But anyway, yeah, yeah you, but you can get it. You can hear it with the bleeps very soon. So thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, no, we 
we couldn't do what we do without people listening. Honestly. And and from the first day we started, I think we hoped maybe one or two people would be listening. I think that was your mom and dad. Yeah. And right? they are listening. And like and our husbands. Thank you, like... by and now. Like, <laughs> but like also to, to know that other people we have never even met in person are listening and contributing like, like Kayla and Tim and JV. Like just finding each other and then like working together as if we it's like seamlessly as if we've been working together yeah. for years we're like, like it, hey it we'll just like read a, your story yeah like, awesome it's so amazing i've so, been to that bookstore yeah maybe i didn't times. like get possessed by scariness i might have been possessed but i don't remember i might not have remembered it <laughs> anyway thank you guys so much and keep writing keep snarking bye This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.